Father, we continue our prayer of thanksgiving and thankfulness for Jesus. And as we prepare to partake of this fruit of the vine, we that represents Christ's blood that was shed upon that cross. May remember that through that blood that was shed for us that we have forgiveness, we have mercy, we have grace, and we have hope. And we know that Jesus is now at your right hand, and we have somebody that hears us and we can identify with because he lived a life and endured all the the hardships and, and all the trials and tribulations that mankind could endure, but yet he was perfect. May remember that and strive to be more like him as we walk our daily lives. But help us to remember this and to focus on Jesus, not at just this time, but throughout each day. May we always look to him. These things we ask in Christ's name. Amen.
We always like to take advantage of the, the men that are up here to uh, have an opportunity to give back to, G, uh, to God a portion of what we received. Uh, reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Father, we're so thankful for all the blessings that we have. We're thankful for the blessings we have in Jesus, the spiritual blessings that we have in Him. But we're also thankful for the many material blessings that we have. We know that we are richly blessed, and we're so thankful for that. But to this time, we want to give back a portion to you so that your work can be carried on in, in this world. This money will be used for not just local, but also for missionaries and for children's homes and for other great works that bring glory to your name. We pray that you'll be with us as we look into our hearts and give back a portion to you. These things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Number 467. This will be our song before the lesson. Will your anchor hold? Let's stand as we sing, please. <clears throat> Will your anchor hold in the storms of life when the clouds unfold their wings of strife? When the strong tides lift and the cables strain, will your anchor drift or firm remain? We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep. In the Savior's love, it is safely moored, will the storm withstand, for it is well secured by the Savior's hand. And the cables passed from his heart to mine can defy the blast through strength divine. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. 
When our eyes behold through the gathering night the city of gold, our harbor bright, we shall anchor fast by the heavenly shore with the storms all past forevermore. <clears throat> Have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll, fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. Be seated, please. At this time, we'll have our scripture reading. Today's scripture reading will be coming from Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through 19. If you want to follow in your Bibles, again, it'll be coming from Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through 19. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to every, everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith, from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteousness will have lived by faith. The wrath of God is being revealed. For heaven against all the godliness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because of God has made it plain to them. Good morning. Welcome to all of our visitors. I'm excited to introduce our speaker this morning. Lavelle Hayes. Lavelle has a fantastic wife who couldn't be with us this morning, Patricia, several children. And the last time I saw you, Lavelle, I don't know that you were a grandpappy, but I understand you are. And that's a qualification in some regards, I'm sure. And I guess I've known you, Lavelle, about 36 years, something like that. And you may not remember, but the first time I remember meeting Lavelle... Um, was at a summer Bible camp of sorts in the state of Illinois. And I was getting up early, about 4 a.m., so that uh, before all the activities, and uh, first one up, go get a cup of coffee and, and so forth. And lo and behold, about 5 a.m., here comes who? Lavelle Hayes. And I, that was my first encounter, Lavelle. And we are absolutely looking forward to seeing you. You're coming back this afternoon to speak again, and then tomorrow night, Monday, and Tuesday, and Wednesday. And I promise, Lord willing, to be here each, on each occasion. Tonight, this morning, I give you Lavelle Hayes. Thank you, Brother Housby. I certainly uh, appreciate him and the times that we've had to rub shoulders together. Uh, he's always been a 
pleasant individual, one who impresses me as one who loves the Lord, and uh, we're thankful that uh, uh, for his recommendation. Thankful, so grateful for your confidence in me to uh, invite me to participate with you in these next few days of studies of the Word of God Almighty. Uh, if there are those that are visiting with us, we appreciate you most highly as well. When I say visiting, you're not yet a member of the Churches of Christ. We're glad that you're here. We hope, trust, and pray that in some way or another, our worship, our word, our study of the Word of God will arouse a curiosity in you that you'll want to know more. And uh, certainly, you know, while I'm here, I'll be glad to sit down, study the Word of God with you that you might understand God's way for your life. But we're thankful to see those who are here this morning. We're thankful to uh, be here. And I hope your mind is on the spiritual food of the Word of God, not the food that's right out there in that room I'm looking at uh, <laughs> right out there. But hopefully before your stomach gets to growling too much, uh, we'll, we'll get you there. Uh, I'm, I promise not to preach it like your preacher does an hour and a half. Uh, I'm going to try to get it in in an hour, and uh, I'll be nice in, 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 in that way. Romans chapter 1 uh, is the springboard for this uh, particular installment in this series. We talked this morning about uh, living by faith as we face this world. Uh, we looked at an explanation of faith, an exercise of faith. When you understand what faith is, and you put that faith into practice, then the experience of faith comes when we act like God is telling the truth and we move according to his holy and divine commands to live by faith. From the text that was uh, read this morning, we want to springboard, and I apologize, I apologize. Uh, when we first initially sent the information, uh, I gave a different order that I'm going to take. So if you were expecting something different, uh, then that's okay. Hopefully it'll come before the week is over. You just come on back. But certainly on tonight, uh, we will uh, let you know what the, uh, what the reason is. As uh, tonight we talk, we'll be talking about, I believe, uh, living by faith in a futuristic world. So I'm not in the same order that was published. And again, that's on me. I apologize for that. But this morning, let's talk about living by faith in a faith world, living by faith in a faithless world. In Luke 18 and verse number 8, Jesus asked the question, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? In light of what we're seeing over the course of time and within this present generation, we might wonder if the answer to that question is no, especially when you look at some of the findings as reported by Michael Lipka, senior editor focusing on religion at the Pew Research Center, he reports that the number of persons who believe in God is declining. Back in 2014, he, when he asked if they believed in God or in a universal spirit, only 89% of Americans said yes. That represented a 5% decline from the survey before 
and likely in later surveys, that decline has continued. But add to that the fact that of those who say that they believe in God, only seven say that they believe in God with absolute certainty. That means that many people who say they do believe in God are not absolutely sure about the God they say they believe in. They have doubts in their hearts in spite of the faith they profess with their mouths. But then a further examination shows that the reality is even worse than it looks on the surface. For out of these numbers, the percentage is smaller if the question is asked, do you believe in the God of the Bible? You see, the Pew Research includes those of Islamic faith, Buddhist faith, Hindu faith, and others. If you took them out, then the numbers who believe in the God of the Bible even becomes less and less. And one of the most alarming statistics regarding is regarding our younger generation. The research found that about half of those people aged 30 and under do not believe in God. It seems that maybe we have failed to properly instill faith in some of our children. And that spells doom for the future because that generation then that doesn't believe won't teach their children to believe. So the dilemma of unbelief will continue to grow. So the question in Luke 18 and verse 8 is a good one to ponder. When the Lord comes, will he find faith upon the earth? Now the evidence is clear that we're living in a faithless world. That is, when it comes to the God of the Bible. The God who created Adam. The God who spoke to Noah. The God who visited Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God who appeared to Moses, who spoke to the prophets, the God who sent his only begotten son, who was testified of by Jesus Christ, and the God who revealed his word through the Holy Spirit so that we might know him and how to be pleasing and acceptable in his sight. We are living in a faithless world when it comes to that God who is the true and living God. And the worst part, is that this lack of faith is not just out there in the world. There are people sitting in the pews who are not certain about God. There are people who are carrying their Bibles and say they say prayers that are not certain about their faith in God. There are people who come and sing praises to a God in whom they do not truly and fully believe in. But we are not the first to have the challenge of living in, by faith in a faithless world. Looking at the words of, of Psalm, uh, one, uh, Psalm 14 and verse 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. 
He goes on to say they are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there was any who would understand who would seek God. They have all turned aside. They have all become corrupt. There is none who does good. No, not one. Therefore, we can see that there was a dilemma of faith among men in the Old Testament dispensation. But this was also true in the first century time under Paul's ministry. Paul says in Romans 1 verses 19 and 20 through 21 that God revealed himself, but men did not glorify God as God. Then in verse 23, men began to fashion their own image of God. And then in verse 28, men digress from not glorifying God and inventing their own gods to the point that they completely forgot about God and turned away from the true and living God. Paul says that they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. That is, men came to a point where they did not approve God, they did not acknowledge God, and they did not recognize God. And one of the greatest problems that results from that is, is the fact that man then becomes more and more evil. Since they don't believe in God, then they have no rules for their behavior. And they do what the people did in Judges chapter 17 and verse 6. They did what's right in their own eyes. But when man is guided by his own eyes, when men follow his own rules. When man decides on his own criteria for life and living in society, man is going to go in the wrong direction every time. The more people in the world who live without faith in God, I submit to you that the more troublesome things get, especially for those who try to live by faith in God. As Psalm 14 talked about a faithless world, it said there in verse 1 that these people will be corrupt. They'll do abominable things and they will not do good. He said in verses 4 through 6 that those who don't have the knowledge of God are people of iniquity who will eat up God's people as bread and cause God's people to fear. Yes, a faith, faithless world is a troublesome place for us who are the people of faith. When Paul talked about the faithless world of his day, he showed how man deteriorated spiritually and gave themselves over to all kinds of evil, all kinds of uncleanness and iniquity and wickedness and sin. The less man has faith in God, the more man will gravitate toward guile, elevate that which is evil, managed to mess up his mind and his manner, climb into calamity and corruption, is unashamed and unrighteous and ungodly, and does things that are worthy of death. But we must be different uh, from the world. We must be diligent to keep our faith in God so that we can live by faith in this faithless world. And if you want to live by faith, I'm going to give you some suggestions this morning that I hope you'll follow. These are offered with, with the truth in mind that, that, that keeping faith takes some effort on our part. Uh, Peter indicates the same when he wrote to the saints who lived in a faithless world. 
because of the world they lived in, because of the world they lived in, the saints of God were having to deal with fierce persecution, uh, the focus of the first book, and and false prophets, which was the focus of the second book of Peter. These were wrecking havoc on the church and upon those that were trying to live by faith. To these people, Peter wrote in a way that indicates that keeping the faith takes some personal, individual effort on our part. So he said in Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 5, giving all diligence to add to your faith. And then in verse, 15, uh, verse 10 of that text, he said, being more diligent to make your calling and election sure. The word diligence expresses effort. It means we've got to put some energy into it. We must keep our faith in God so that we will not lower ourselves to the place of being the fool that says in his heart that there is no God. Well, how can we do that? Well, I have four suggestions for you this morning. First of all, I encourage you to expand your knowledge of the evidence of God. Expand your knowledge of the evidence of God. Hebrews 11.1 1 defines faith as the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. My friends, that's an important principle. We can know about the unseen, about what we can see. We, 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 we cannot physically see God, but we see God in that which we physically see, in that there is evidence of God all around us. In Romans 1.20, Paul says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things which are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Paul tells us, Look at the evidence. He goes on to show us that, that some don't believe because they simply choose not to believe. And uh, to, to choose not to believe, uh, that person has to just simply ignore the evidence. Now, I know that uh, atheistic uh, people will ridicule the design argument about the existence of God, but, but the argument is biblical, is reasonable, and is visible. That is, uh, a design calls for a designer. The thing that is built is evidence of the builder. Most of you have never seen the contractor or the plumber or the carpenter or the electrician that worked on the house that you are living in to build it. But you do know that they exist. Why? Because the house you live in that's got electricity is evidence that there was an electrician somewhere. The house you're living in that has plumbing is evidence that there was a plumber at some point or another that came to that place and put his hand to building that house you live in. The evidence, this physical world around us and even our own wonderfully and, and uh, human bodies, wonderfully made human bodies are clear declarations of of the evidence of God and that, 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 uh, Psalm 19, of what Psalm 19, 1 and 2 says, that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth on his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech and night unto night reveals knowledge. The Bible says that the evidence and the orbit 
of the planet say something, that days and nights, uh, that's saying something, that the rotation of the earth, that's saying something. It is saying that Genesis uh, chapter uh, 1 and verse 1 is true when it declares that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. There's evidence of God in creation, in the Bible, in Jesus Christ who came to this earth. But, but what happens is, is that we get lazy and we don't study to fortify our faith by learning Christian evidences. I remember years ago when we went through a, a series there uh, at the East Jackson congregation where I, I labor. Some of our members were complaining. It was too hard to understand. It was boring and, and all other kinds of stuff. But I'm saying to us, my friends, we ought not be lazy uh, in our study of God, about God, and our study of the Word of God. First Peter 3.15 tells us to always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks the reason of the hope that's in you. Uh, with meekness and fear. As we go along the way, we're going to be confronted more and more by people who don't believe in God. They're going to look on you as foolish, as silly, as, as ignorant. And, and, and one thing about them is uh, unbelievers generally know why they don't believe. It's too bad that too many times we as believers don't know why we do believe. Amen, somebody. So my word is to us is get busy. Start studying about the evidence of God for there's plenty of evidence out there. Study and find out how uh, evolution contradicts itself and so it cannot be the answer. But one scientific principle that still stands and will continue to stand is the fact that, that life does not come from non-life. And for that theory to be true, uh, then we have to deny that fundamental fact. For in that theory, we would have life coming from something that was never alive, and it just don't happen that way. So get busy studying to show yourself approved unto God. Get you some good study materials, good books on the evidence of God. Go to such sites as Apologetics Press and, and you'll find an abundance of material. Spend time with it. Learn to digest, just, uh, digest it. And don't stop because it might seem a little complicated. And for sure, for sure, we ought to be teaching our children about God and, 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 and live God before them. But one of the things that hampers the faith of our children and our younger generation is that they hear one thing out of our mouths and see another thing in our lives. We preach a God that we don't practice. We preach that God is to be worshipped and praised, but we forsake the assembly to worship him. We preach God is the head of my life, but we practice putting God on the back burner at the bottom of the list of our living. We preach that God will take care of you, but we practice no faith in God when we're going through our struggles. We preach that God must be obeyed, and we practice disobedience. We preach that God is holy, and we should be like him, but we practice a lifestyle that in no way resembles the holiness and purity that we preach. This kind of example turns our young people off. It turns them away from God. So let's teach them by our example. Not only by our example, let's teach them by our exhortations. Prepare our young people because when they go off to high school, when they go off to college and beyond, they're going to be exposed to some ungodly ideas. 
I know that it happened in my life when I was, in fact, even working on my master's there in Springfield, uh, Illinois. Uh, I, 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 I took a class, and uh, the, the name of the class, can't remember it now, but it, was, it ended up being nothing like it sounded. And what we had was two instructors who believed in uh, the, the, the ideas of the Eastern religions and uh, uh, they were promoting things. And, you know, a couple of several weeks, I just sat there and I'm just, I mean, ooh, I feel like Paul in Acts 17. The Spirit of God is moving. And finally I spoke up and began to challenge some of the stuff that they were saying. After that class, I'll never forget how many other classmates came unto, up to me and they said, Hayes, we glad that you said something because I was just sitting there just fit to be tied with all that I was hearing. We're going to hear that kind of thing uh, in our lives. Our young people are going to face it. We need to be, be preparing them for the battle. After all, Deuteronomy 6 and verse 7 still applies. Teach them diligently to your children. Talk of them while you sit in the house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. I'm saying expand your knowledge of the evidences of God. And then esteem the knowledge of the expectations of God. Paul said to the saints in Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians 2.13, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcome it, not as, it, as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectively works in you, who believe. Paul says that these saints accepted God's word as God's word. They didn't treat it as if it were some commands from man or from someone of no significance. No, they believed and respected the word of God and they received it therefore as the word of God. They esteemed God's word as authoritative, the authoritative word in their lives. And so must we. We should not treat God's word like it's an optional opinion, a simple suggestion, or something that we can take or leave depending on the consequence. We must accept the Bible, the rightly divided word of truth, what it is, the truth that God gave to guide us and keep us according to 2 Timothy three fifteen through 17. The fact is, some reject God because they reject the word of God. And they reject the word of God because they don't like what God says. They would rather do what's right in their own eyes. They decide that, that, that God is wrong and therefore they turn away from God. And rather than believe what God says, they deny the execution of God and they deny the existence of God. They deny the execution of God. And what I mean by that is Romans 1.18 says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Paul goes on to show that there are some things that displease God and therefore it'll bring the wrath of God. Homosexuality and sexual immorality in any form will bring the wrath of God. Maliciousness and murder will bring the wrath of God. Envy, strife, and backbiting will bring the wrath of God. Disobedience to parents That'll bring the wrath of God. Men don't like to hear that. Some, uh, so, so what some will do is, is, is they'll believe in the mercy of God, but they'll put aside the justice of God. 
They'll say, well, God understands, or, or I, 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 I might not be doing these things, but, but I, I got him in here, I got him in here. Or, or, or that God is too good to condemn anybody or send them to hell. But that ain't what the Bible says. Romans 11 and verse 2 says, uh, verse 22 says, Behold the goodness and the severity of God on them which fail severity. But to thee, to, to, to thee, goodness, if you continue in his goodness, otherwise you shall be cut off. In Romans 2, verses 4 through 11, Paul shows the goodness and severity of God. He, he, he does show mercy uh, that is meant to lead to repentance. But he also show, says that, it, that there is a day of wrath and righteous judgment in which some will suffer indignation, wrath, tribulation, and anguish. There are some who will try to eliminate the execution of God. And on the other side, there are some who don't want to live a godly life, so they will deny the existence of God. Rather than face what the Bible teaches, people will come to a point like the people in the text. They refuse to retain God in their knowledge. They not only ignore what God says, they begin to ignore God and not know God. And it's because for some people, they just don't want to do what God wants them to do. And so they want to do whatever they want to do. They want to live together without marriage or be able to have a relationship that is sexual in nature. And since God's word teaches against that, uh, disregard the word, disregard God. They want to love and uh, engage in the world and the things of the world. And, and since God's word teaches against that, disregard the word and disbelieve God. They want to engage in the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life. But since God's word warns against that, I'm going to disbelieve the word and disregard God. Since they want to keep their money and not give to God on the first day of the week. Amen, somebody. We're in the house now. Uh, since God's word teaches us about that, uh, well, I, I'm going to disregard the word and disbelieve God. But John 12, 20, 48 is still true. Jesus said, he that rejects me and receives not my word has one that judges him. The word that I speak unto you, the same shall judge you in the last day. And, though, and we who are in Christ have to be careful lest the words of Hebrews 3.12 apply to us. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. We must accept the Bible for what it is, the word of God for us and all mankind. And since it comes from God, it must be respected, it must be revered, it must be reverenced as the word of truth. It can't be ignored because it's God's word. It can't be disregarded and disrespected for it's God's word. It can't be avoided for it's God's word and it will be there to judge us at the last day. Expand your knowledge of the evidence of God. Esteem the knowledge of the expectations of God highly in your own heart and in your own mind. And then enrich your knowledge of the experience of God. How to live by faith in a faithless world. Man has what seems to be an internal, innate need to worship and to hold in all that which he sees as greater or higher than himself. 
Man seeks God. And if he doesn't know God, the true and living God, he'll make his own gods because man wants to worship. In Acts 17, in Acts 17, Paul observed all the altars of the Athenians. They even had one to the unknown God. The people of Athens worship and, 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 and sought gods. They had a god of the sun and a god of the moon. They had mountain gods and earth gods and gods of the seas. They had gods and goddesses of agriculture, of war, of love, and more. Man has a tendency to seek a higher power. Of course, Paul knew that uh, that that only true and living God, which we know. And so he taught the people of Athens about that God. And in the midst of his sermon, he said, that God is not far from every one of us. There is a spiritual part of men that, 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 that experiences God in a way that words cannot express. This experience is based on the evidence of God and esteeming the word of God. For our faith must come by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10 and 17. But from the outward evidence and from the hearing that goes, uh, that comes through our ears and enter our minds and hearts, we've got to also experience God in the inner man. Listen to the Bible, Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, Paul says, to ask, watch this now, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and joy uh, and long-suffering with joy. Notice that Paul put two things together, knowledge of the will of God and knowledge of God. Without the word of God in our hearts, hear me well, we can experience the knowledge of God. But I submit to you that, 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 that this knowledge of God that, is, that is, is, is here is not just book knowledge. It's connected to book knowledge, but it goes beyond to an experiential knowledge. When I talk about experiential knowledge, let me give you an example of how that uh, when uh, members uh, would pass, or family members would pass, would die, and we would have the funeral. And sometimes uh, it'd be a week or two, and I, I would not see that family member at the worship services. And so I would contact them, and, and they <clears throat> would, would talk about the fact of how hard it is uh, to come into uh, the the uh, assembly or the where the service was held, and where now the communion table stands, and they're reminded of the uh, coffin or the casket of that loved one, and so they said, "Brother Hayes, it's just hard for me because when I come in, what I see is that casket with my loved one." up there in my heart. And of course, you know, being a preacher, being a love of God, being a, a, a student of the word of God, you know, I would encourage them that, you know, God can, can help you through. And even though you are maybe not all that you think you ought to be when you come, that you come and, and God, and God will, 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 will help you. I had a book knowledge of what that was all about, listening to them talk. But then my, my sister died. 
Uh, and uh, she lived in St. Louis, went up to St. Louis, funeralized my sister. That's the first really close relative uh, that I had died in quite a few years. Came back to Jackson, and that very next week, a uh, a sister in the church, about the same age as my sister, died. And the funeral was there, and I thank God that the only thing I had to do on the service was read scripture. But when the service uh, started, and we started walking down the aisle, halfway down the aisle, I knew I was in trouble. My emotions began to flow. Tears began to come from my eyes. I had a hard time uh, containing myself. Uh, Finally, uh, in the early part of the service, I read the scripture. After I read the scripture, that was about all that I could handle because I'm busting out and sobbing in tears. A couple of brethren took me out, took me to the church office. They sat down and consoled me. But when I walked into that place, what did I see? My sister. So now, instead of just book knowledge of what members were telling me, now I have an experiential knowledge so that I have a greater understanding now when I talk to folk about what that's about and what goes on with us. So what I'm saying is, we need more than to have book knowledge of God. We've got to start with the book. But we got to know what we know and know that we know what we know when it comes to God. Listen to the Bible again in Ephesians 3 and verse 16 through 19. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit. Where? In the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. Where is he talking about that happening in the inner man? Be able to comprehend with all the saints the width and the length and the length and the depth and the height. And to know, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. He's just not talking about you knowing because you heard it. You got to know that Jesus loves you. You got to know for yourself that Jesus is on your side. And that's the struggle we have with our young people. We've got to get them from him faith. Him faith. To him faith. We've got to help them understand that God loves them and they need to love God. I don't understand all of the hows and how God does it. But I know that he strengthens with might his spirit in the inner man. I, I, I can testify that I have experienced being strengthened. I didn't fall out and foam at the mouth and all of that kind of stuff. I have experienced growing in faith. I have experienced increasing in love. I have experienced patient endurance. I've had to patiently endure. But all that is because of the Lord, and it's show not something that I do myself. Therefore, so that your faith in God will be strong, You need to enrich your knowledge of the experience of God. And you will do that if you keep studying and growing in his word. Keep honoring him and worshiping him. Keep participating in the works of the Lord. Keep enduring the temptations and the tests. Keep talking to him in prayer. Keep living soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Expand your knowledge of the evidence of God. Esteem highly the knowledge of God. Uh, of the expectations of God, enrich your knowledge of the experience of God, 
And then finally, enhance your knowledge of the election of God. Those of us who serve God in Christ Jesus, we are the elect of God. 1 Peter 1 and verse 2, we are elect according to the foreknowledge of God and sanctification of the Spirit. Elect means that we are special to God. Elect means that we are precious in His sight. Elect means that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. And as such, we believe the words of Hebrews 11, 6, that without faith it is impossible to please God, but he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Hear that? God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Because we diligently seek him, We are partakers in the promises of God. Glory, hallelujah. Because we diligently seek him, we are recipients of the riches of God. Because we diligently seek him, we are saints under the salvation of God. We must always keep before us the fact that God rewards those who believe that he is and he rewards those who diligently seek him. We must always keep before us The inheritance that according to 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 and 4 is a living hope, an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away and that's reserved in heaven just for you. We must read always about the goodness that God has for his elect, the eternity that God has for his elect, the help in this life and the home beyond this life that God has for his elect. In Romans 2 and verse 7 and following, Paul reminds us of eternal life and the fact that if we show patient, continuing and doing good, there will be glory and honor and immortality. For whether we believe God or not, we know we're going to die. And I'm glad to have faith in God to know that there is something beyond this earthly life. There is something that is more than worth waiting for beyond this life. There is something that's more uh, than worth working for. I'm glad to know that somebody came down from heaven and lived on the earth, died, rose from the grave, and then ascended back to heaven and gave us a testimony that there is a God and that there is a place called heaven. It is that. It is Jesus. And it is that Jesus who said, you believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. I'm glad to know that there is a God. And he has prepared a place for his saints, for his elect one. And no matter what the world does, I want to live by faith in God so that I might receive the eternal reward of God. Others may disbelieve, but I'm living by faith that I might receive that eternal reward. Others may fall by the wayside, but I'm living by faith that I might receive the eternal reward. Others may ignore the evidence, but I'm living by faith that I might receive that eternal reward. Others, they may walk by their own rules, but I'm walking by faith and not by sight because I'm looking forward to an eternal reward. Others, 
They may refuse God's word, but I'm walking by faith in his holy and divine word, that it is inspired word, and it will keep me in the path of God because I want to be able to walk into that glory land with him. Others may follow some false god. They may follow a God that was shaped with man's hands and set up on man's shelf and just sits there and does nothing. But I'm walking by faith. I'm living by faith in God and the God of heaven because I'm looking forward to the eternal reward. And others may be a part of this faithless generation. But I'm living by faith. How about you? That I might receive the eternal reward. Now in closing, let me offer the Lord's invitation, because there might be those today that are not walking by faith. There may be those today that are not living by faith. There may be those today that haven't made a decision about responding to the gospel of Christ, because this series of lessons focus on what we might understand as sustaining faith. That is, that once we have come into the kingdom, that our uh, faith that has been exercised in obedience to the gospel, that we must be sustained and that God sustains us in this faith. This is the faith that is going to carry us through in living the life that God wants us to live. So we focus on sustaining faith. But there is another aspect that we have to be concerned about, and that is saving faith. We must understand, my friends, that there comes a time when we need to initially come to the point where we believe God and that we respond to the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That, that's saving faith. That's faith that we must have in what God says when we understand what we have done regarding God's love for us. We've sinned. We've transgressed. That what we read in Psalm, from Psalm 14 about there is none that does good. That's us. We've sinned and come short of the glory of God. And because of that, we're separated from God. So there might be a need for you to do what God would have you to do, to go from saving faith to being in Christ at sustaining faith. Well, what must I do? Respond to the gospel. Well, what's included in God's gospel plan? Well, look at what Jesus said when he sent his disciples out to preach the gospel. He said, go preach the gospel. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Let me ask you a question. How would folk know that they needed to believe and be baptized in order to be saved? Because, because when they preached the gospel, they would preach to people what it takes to respond to and obey the gospel. And Jesus told his disciples, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Notice, Jesus didn't put a short corner on it like men do today. And say, he that believes, you're saved. And then you maybe get baptized later if you want to. Choice is up to you. No, no, no. Uh, you hear it so often. I see commercials that some uh, group, uh, uh, is where they, they say good things about following the Lord Jesus Christ. But then at the end of that little one-minute commercial, they said, bow with me. And they say this prayer, and they lift up your heart, and now you are saved. And I'm still looking for where that is in the Bible. Because in Acts chapter 2, when they asked, what must we do? Go back and read it. Peter didn't say, let's pray. When the man in Acts 16 came uh, and said, 
What must I do? Says, what must I do? Peter didn't stop and say, they, they'd already been singing and praying to God, so it'd been easy for them to just say, okay, well, let's just keep on praying. No. They taught him to believe and be baptized. Acts 2, they were taught to repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus. So, if you want sustaining faith, if you want God to be with you and walk with you all the days of your life, you've got to come into the way where you're walking with God. You've got to do that. Yes, some things are for everybody. Some things God calls us the sun to shine and the rain to fall on the good and the, and the evil, the just and the unjust. Some things come to everybody. But salvation and having your name written in heaven and an eternal home with the Lord is only to those who have come to God according to his holy and divine will. That might be you. Or maybe if you have questions, you might, might have a question about something that I've said. You know, this being baptized stuff. I ain't never heard that before. Well, you just let us know. And we'll be glad to just sit down. But what we're going to do is open up the book and take a look and see what God has for us to do. And there might be finally somebody today that's a member of the body of Christ that you just stand in the need of prayer. Faith gets tested. Stuff comes. Difficulties are a part of our lives. Somebody's trying to keep you from sustaining faith. You know who that is. First Peter 5 and verse 8. And we tell our folk at East Jackson, don't wait till all four wheels come off. You know how it is when you go out and the tire is that low? You put a little air in it, put a little air in it, next thing you know, it's down again. Eventually, you know what? You don't have to change, but you don't have to do something. We tell, we tell our folk, don't wait. I mean, don't wait till all four wheels come off because we tell them, you know, when you first start getting that little indication that it's low, that's the time to start praying and working and getting encouragement from members. But don't you be hard-headed like them folk back in Jackson. Because when they come, not only are all four wheels off, the engine is blown and the transmission is shot and then they want everything fixed in one day. It could have been taken care of when you first recognized you stood in the need of prayer. And yes, you can pray individually. But sometimes the help of the body is, is, is something that will build us up. So if you need to respond, however your process may be, we'll now uh, invite you in our song of invitation. We'll just stand together and sing our song to encourage. Jesus is tenderly calling thee home, calling today, calling today. Why from the sunshine of love wilt thou roam farther and farther away? Calling today, calling today. Jesus is calling, is tenderly calling today. 
Jesus is calling the weary to rest, calling today, calling today. Bring him thy burden, and thou shalt be blessed. He will not turn thee away. Calling today, calling today. Jesus is calling, is tenderly calling today. Jesus is waiting, oh, come to him now. Waiting today, waiting today. Come with thy sins at his feet, lowly bow. Quick, no longer delay. Calling today, calling today. Jesus is calling, is tenderly calling today. Jesus is pleading, O list to his voice. Hear him today, hear him today. They who believe on his name shall rejoice. Quickly arise and away. Calling today, calling today. Jesus is calling, is tenderly calling today. Final song this morning is When the Roll is Called Up Yonder, number 852. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair, when the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, 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 I'll be there. On that bright and cloudless morning when the dead in Christ shall rise and the glory of his resurrection share, when his chosen ones shall gather to their home beyond the skies, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, 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 I'll be there. Let us labor for the master from the dawn till setting sun. Let us talk of all his wondrous love and care. Then when all of life is over and our work on earth is done, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, 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 I'll be there.
Let's talk to God for a moment. Heavenly Father, we love you and give you all praise, glory, and honor for this wonderful time that we have assembled together as a family to study a portion of your word from Brother Hayes. And Father, we're so thankful that you brought him here safely. We pray for the success of this meeting, that many eyes and hearts will be opened up to uh, the receptive truth of your gospel, that they decide to take an active faith in walking with your son daily. We ask that while Brother Lavelle is here, that you protect his wife, Pat, and family, keep them safe and secure until he returns. Father, help us all to be diligent this week in our service to one another, our forgiveness of one another, strengthen our love for one another, and especially pray, Father, for those in need. Brother Hayes has asked us to lift up Jackie Waller at this time. And Father, we ask that you give her that extra measure of comfort and peace uh, to restore her health to that level she desires, Father. In a few moments, we will gather together as a family to share a meal. And we're so thankful and blessed for the wonderful people that we have in this family that have provided this food for us today. We ask you to bless it to our health as you continually bless our lives with your Holy Spirit. I ask these favors through your Son. Amen.